Welcome to episode 53 of the GT on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 15 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is fellow analyst Anshul Sag. So let's get started with my first topic. So it was announced this week that AT&T um, plans to spin off its Warner Media unit. Um, this comes uh, as a big surprise to a lot of folks. You know, if you recall, you know, this was a very uh, hard-fought acquisition um, when AT&T uh, went about, you know, acquiring Time Warner. Very, you know, very costly as well. And the whole promise of, you know, bringing content together with connectivity and access um, was, you know, sort of a key linchpin in AT&T's um, strategy to differentiate itself relative to its uh, its other major competitors in T-Mobile, and Verizon, and others. And so, so this was, you know, so, somewhat of a surprise. But um, what's going to happen is Warner Media is actually going to uh, merge with uh, Discover, the Discover Network, and AT&T will still maintain a majority share. It's in the the neighborhood of seventy plus percent. Mm -hmm. So um, I think this does a lot of things for AT&T. It allows them to kind of get back and focus on their core business. Um, I think there's some balance sheet, um, you know, goodness in this as well. But, you know, I still expect that, you know, given the fact that even though it's spun off, um, AT&T still, you know, owns a majority share there. And I still think there'll be some leverage of that content, especially in the consumer uh, realm and, a lot of what you focus on, like from an AR and VR perspective, mixing that content together, I think there, there'll still be some leverage points there. And, you know, also the Warner Media, you know, um, catalog of content. Um, there's also a lot of education content around that. And one of the announcements that was made by AT&T a few weeks ago was, you know, that was part of their support for, uh, you know, bridging the digital divide and that sort of thing in, in providing, you know, access to that catalog of content. So, I think it's a good thing from a balance sheet perspective. It allows them to focus on their core business. But what are your thoughts? I think this is a continuation of the big two uh, acknowledging their mistakes in trying to grow their business by acquiring content. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this isn't as much of a surprise as as I think some other people would have expected simply because of the divestiture from Verizon, right? Um, and I think that AT&T had a, a more comprehensive strategy, mm -hmm. but they also spent considerably more buying DirecTV and Warner Media. Yeah. Um, well, I think it was just Time Warner as a whole, oh, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that if you look at how this panned out, it doesn't look good for either company. Um, and I, I think this really boils down to the fact that these are not media companies. They don't understand the media business mm -hmm. and it detracted from their core businesses. And I think if you look at how Verizon and AT&T look compared to say a T-Mobile who's been laser focused on their network, mm -hmm. um, their networks don't look, their 5G networks don't look as good as T-Mobile's does right now. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very important for Verizon and AT&T to refocus their efforts on building a good 5G network and partnering and using their relationships to, you know, have content drive that demand, right? Um, I think they wanted to just bring that in-house and now we're seeing that didn't really work out. 
now, like you said, they are still very much owners of this new entity. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you're right that it does allow them to focus and it kind of takes it out of their hands in, you know, the idea of running it and, and making it profitable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and Verizon's, you know, also made similar announcements like with its FIO service and that sort of thing. Right. So um, you make some very valid points. Um, but uh, but again, I think there's goodness here and that, you know, it'll again allow them to focus on, you know, their, their core business, which to your point, um, they weren't that deep in media. It's a totally different animal. But actually, your first topic this week is related to AT&T as well and a, a private 5G network that they built um, for a medical uh, deployment. Yeah, so AT&T helped build out a private 5G network. Uh, this 5G network is specifically for the uh, Ellison Institute for Transformative Medicine at USC. Um, and what they're doing is they're actually going to uh, combine 5G with AI. Um, this is going to be a millimeter wave private 5G network with mech compute. Um, and basically they want to use this to uh, collect data from numerous data sources and to transmit that data from patients and connected devices to a local compute instead of sending it out to the cloud and waiting for it to come back. So they are trying to take stuff like 3D tumor imaging and take advantage of that millimeter bandwidth so they can send these gigantic files very quickly mm -hmm. and have them processed and sent back very quickly so that they don't have to wait for these giant files to be processed. Because, you know, a lot of the time, these very large files, um, if you're not looking at them and you need to send them off, it's going to take forever to get a result back. So yeah. I think that they're trying to accelerate the innovation and use of technologies like AI to um, improve medicine. Yeah, it's a killer use case to your point. This is gonna speed the, the ability to diagnose certain issues and that sort of thing. Like you mentioned, you know, x-rays, you know, these other images that are, that are generated from, you know, MRIs and that sort of thing are massive. And, you know, it just takes, you know, a long time to push, you know, push them around. So this is a killer use case not only, you know, for 5G and Mac, but millimeter wave as well, right? With yeah. um, the tremendous it, performance and- It'll be, it'll be indoors, right? So right. Uh, it doesn't really have to be as great for coverage. Mm -hmm. Plus they will be using um, a, a private lower band as well mm -hmm. um, for more traditional wireless communication between smartphones and other connected devices. But what's an interesting point, and I didn't notice this until now, each patient will receive a connected digital bracelet upon arrival and all researchers and staff will wear connected sensors as well, mm -hmm. which means it will, it will measure and monitor doctor patient interaction levels as well. So it's going to give real time data for how patients and doctors are interacting with one another and whether or not, um, you know, they're meeting their, their goals. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm not a doctor, but I've, but I've played one on TV. I actually um, worked for a company, Peerless AV, and launched a, a line of healthcare um, solutions for them and spent a lot of time understanding that triangle of care, that patient care. And uh, th that's quite innovative, you know, using sensors and that sort of thing, you know, both, you know, the patients and the doctors to sort of measure <clears throat> that, that whole triangle of care. And so, uh, 
you know, I, I think we're going to see some pretty incredible, you know, results with better predictability, better, better outcomes. And, you know, when it comes down to like extending our lives, I mean, that's, doesn't get any killer from an app, you know, perspective than that. So, but let's move to my second topic this week. And I attended Qualcomm's 5G Summit. It was virtual. Yeah, it was virtual again this year. And um, I didn't come away with with any sort of, you know, like earth shattering, you know, kind of new news, although they did, they did uh, announce some new Snapdragon solutions and that sort of thing. And you've done a good job on prior podcasts of covering those. But I think when I when I kind of look back at the two days and um, you know some of the the uh, sessions I sat through uh, with fi- you know about fixed wireless access and millimeter wave and that sort of thing, I really came you know away with you know feeling like this is a company that continues to lead the 5G ecosystem. Um, they talked about how they're supporting 5G modems in a range of price points um, to really extend you know access on the device level. Um, you know, to to a multiple number of price points. And then, you know, there, there was also some, you know, some updates on how they're leaning into their Snapdragon capabilities to go enable the small cell um, uh, market um, and, and really kind of expand the number of options that are available, more choices, you know, that's going to be also be very cost disruptive. And, and then again, you know, they continue to do things with millimeter wave to improve the propagation. Uh, mm-hmm. both outdoors and indoors. So, you know, I, I really come away, you know, with, with, you know, some solid respect for the company and that they are doing so much to drive the 5G ecosystem. And certainly there are other companies that are contributing, you know, you know, strategically as well. But again, just, you know, I think, you know, for my experience this year with the 5G summit, um, that's sort of what I came away with. So I don't know if you had a chance to attend or not, but w- what are your thoughts? I did attend. Um, I think I've attended every 5G summit since they started. The beginning. <laughs> since before they were called 5G summits. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about the uh, 5G summit this year was it was pretty light on announcements, I think. It was. Um, <clears throat> I would say that, you know, they did announce a new smartphone chip, uh, which I think was a 778G. Mm-hmm. And they did announce, um, what I did think was interesting was they did announce a new M.2 module that can be put in laptops and IoT devices that is basically a self-contained modem and um, RF uh, module. So that that way you can very quickly and easily deploy 5G in devices as long as you have an M.2 slot. So I think that's gonna be an interesting one. And then they also kind of delve more deeply into the X65's capabilities and talk more about how it's actually a software upgradable architecture and how that they can add features to it as they are needed, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they added some additional millimeter wave capabilities, um, wider channel widths and things like that, mm-hmm. um, lower power consumption. So there, there were some updates along the way. And, you know, like you said, there were you know, millimeter wave coverage improvements as well. Um, but in general, I think it was a bit lighter um, yep. than previous uh, events. But I have a feeling we'll probably hear, hear more later in the year as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, you're, like you said, they, they continue to lead um, and they have a lot of the technological um, prowess that um, is going to be very hard for others to catch up with. 
Yeah, agreed. Well, let's move to your second topic this week. And you want to talk about an AR incubator initiative involving Verizon and another company. Yeah. So yesterday was SNAP's uh, partner summit, which is like their big announcement uh, event. And during that event, they actually announced their new AR glasses. Um, and the reason why uh, that's a big deal is because they are technically the first real consumer AR headset, um, which is a big deal because, you know, Magic Leap still hasn't actually launched their consumer product mm-hmm. and they may never. Um, but what's really the big deal is they they made a lot of partnership announcements and, you know, Snapchat is the, the really the only company in the world that's doing AR at consumer scale today on the smartphone. And they've been, they've had a very long partnership with Verizon and they actually got Verizon to pre-install Snapchat on some of their 5G phones uh, in 2019. So they already have an existing partnership with Verizon on on 5G and they announced a new AR incubator uh, in partnership with Verizon that will be focused on creating content for AR with 5G in mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, Snap is committing $3.5 million to this incubator, and Verizon is committing an additional $1 million. So in, in total, there will be $4.5 million uh, dedicated to essentially funding uh, content creators who want to use 5G and AR together mm-hmm. to enable to create their AR experiences in Snapchat. So yeah. um, it's going to be very interesting. This device that they announced, which are called the Spectacles, is actually the fourth generation of Spectacles. Uh, It does not have a 5G modem built into it. However, it is powered by Qualcomm's XR1 chipset. So it does have an ability to connect to a 5G phone and take advantage of 5G capabilities on that phone and tether to it uh, to, to, to get access to high quality AR experiences. So there's a lot of really cool stuff that Snap is doing. Uh, in AR, and they're really the first ones to come to market with a product that said, you can't actually buy these glasses yet. Um, They are a developer only product. So I might be actually jumping the gun a little bit and saying that it's the first AR headset for consumers because technically they can't buy it. Um, But this is the the first demonstration of what's possible uh, with consumer products. And Mm -hmm. I think that they will come with a consumer version uh, soon thereafter, once they have enough, you know, developers on board to develop with this headset. Um, any any insights into how Verizon may monetize this investment? You know, I mean, when I've spoken with you know executives like Nikki Palmer, um, usually the response is, yeah, you know, we're just trying to you know to do the best thing to encourage ecosystem development. But I'm wondering, do you, do you see any monetization advantage for Verizon with this investment? I don't necessarily see a monetization advantage, but I do see a very good use case for Verizon to show why you want ultra wideband, right? Because okay. now they're 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 combining millimeter wave with their midband and calling it ultra wideband, right? right? So I think that if you want to have Snap work as best as possible in AR, you're going to want the fastest, most accurate. G you can get your hands on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great observation, you know, validates, you know, their, their initial focus, uh, and strategy with, uh, with that high band, uh, deployment. 
Well, let's uh, let's move my third and final topic. And actually, your third and final topic will dovetail into this as well. We want to talk about India, and um, you know the country is battling COVID nineteen. Um, it's it's really frightening to see you know uh, the death rates that are going on there. And we we send all of our hopes and prayers um, to India there. But um, this is definitely going to impact their five G rollout. And so I want to talk about some perspective from Reliance and, and Airtel. And then you want to jump into uh, the mid-ban auction, um, um, you know, and kind of where that stands. But um, both Reliance and, and, and Airtel were, you know, were assuming that they were going to be able to participate in those mid-ban auctions this year, you know, and, and as a result, they've provided guidance that um, their, you know, their deployment of, of 5G services is likely not going to not going to happen until the first half of 2022, and um, that's no surprise, you know, just kind of given, you know, we saw some, some deployment, you know, softness when in the U.S. Uh, we were battling, you know, kind of the height of COVID-19, but, but I'd love for you to kind of spend some time on, on that, that mid-band auction and where things stand and, and you know, sort of what, what, what exactly uh, are those spectrum assets? Sure. So the the auction is going to be a mid-band auction, and it's going to sit between 3.3 to 3.6 gigahertz, which is actually preferred to uh, what is being rolled out in the U.S., which is, I believe, 3.7 to 4 yeah. um, for C-band. So this is already a better propagating band, but not really that much better. Sure. Um, and it will be, the auction will take place in the first half of 2022, Okay. and it will be 275 megahertz of spectrum total, which when you compare uh, that currently all three MNOs carry 289 megahertz mm -hmm. of 5G, this is effectively doubling the 5G band mm -hmm. width that is available to operators. Yeah, it's so it's a significant improvement. Um, and it will very likely double speeds. Well, let's be real, it will probably double mm -hmm. speed if not do better. So um, it, it's going to be a, a very big auction. Uh, and the, the concern is always going to obviously be whether or not the operators overspend on it. But in India, it seems that the operators tend to be much more frugal mm -hmm. and that the regulator doesn't want them to overspend. Yeah, so yeah. I have a feeling we will never, we will not see remotely the, um, aggressive, uh, kind of experience that we had here in the US where, you know, what was it, $70 billion was spent or $90 billion was spent yeah. total 90. after everything is said and done. Um, so I think this is a good thing for, for India. And I think that based on the expectations that some, some analysts are putting out there, um, someone like a Reliance Geo will spend somewhere around $6 billion for a hundred megahertz of nationwide spectrum, mm -hmm. which is not cheap, but it's also- A fraction. It's, of what it's a fraction of what was paid for, right? By, right. by uh, Verizon and AT&T. So yeah, um, yeah. I think this is gonna be a really big thing for, for India. And I think a lot of people in India are, are gonna want to look forward to um, a world where COVID isn't, um, dictating day-to-day -day life and um 5g is gonna be a big part of that i think yeah no no i agree again we send our thoughts and prayers to india but 
Hey, buddy, another great podcast this week. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to suggest to us a future 5G pod, future 5G topic for a future 5G podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Will Town Tech and I'm at Anshel Sog. We hope you have a great weekend and please tune in again next week.